Good morning. Welcome to worship at Northminster Church this second Sunday in Epiphany. Um, for those of you who I may not know, I'm Mark Wyndham. I'm filling in for Jillian today while Jillian, Craig, DH, and some other folks are making the annual visit to our sister church in Cuba. So let's keep them in our prayers as they are making that visit. Maybe this is your first time joining us for worship, or maybe you're with us every Sunday. You could be joining us here in our sanctuary, or you could be joining us on YouTube. Regardless of how long you've been with us, or in what manner you're here with us, we're glad that you're here, and we're hopeful that you find this time meaningful. If you are joining us in person this morning, we ask that you help us in making a record of your attendance by filling out the attendance registers, which are located on the center aisle of each row. Um, you probably all know we have a little insert in our order of worship that tells all the things we have going on in our church life, but there are um, four things that I wanted to tell you all about. First, I wanted to remind the members of the Missions Commission that there will be a short meeting immediately following church um, in one of the Sunday school rooms. Um, second thing is next Sunday we have our potluck at 6 o'clock followed by our business meeting at 7 o'clock. Debbie did ask me to remind everyone or to let everyone know that on the second hymn that we'll be singing this morning, we're only going to be singing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 3, and 4. Thank you. I, I wrote it down right when you were telling me that, and I still got it wrong. 1, 3, and 4. I apologize. And then I wanted to remind our children that during the last verse of the first hymn, you can make your way toward the front where I'll be waiting to join you for our children's sermon this morning. Now, if you would, please join me in our call to worship. Come, all you whose cups overflow and you who are feeling parched. Come, all you who aren't sure about anything and who you stand secure. Come, all you who have big dreams and you who can barely see through today. Come, worship the one whose light has dawned and whose kingdom has come near.
reading from Psalms chapter 91. For you made the eternal your refuge, the most high your only home. No evil will come to you. Plagues will be turned away at your door. Heavenly messengers will guard you and keep you safe in every way. They will hold you up in their hands so that you will not crash or fall or even graze your foot on a stone. A message from the psalmist for us today. Thanks Thanks be be to God. I'm going to have to remind Jillian when I see her again that it must be a lot easier for somebody her age to get back up (laughs) from doing the children's sermon than it is somebody that's about to be 51. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we come to you this morning asking for your blessing on our time together today. We pray you bring comfort to those who are hurting, provide guidance to those who are feeling hopeless, and wisdom to those seeking help. We particularly ask for your traveling grace to the folks visiting with our sister church in Cuba as they are being your hands and feet to our brothers and sisters there. 
Finally, God, we pray that you reveal to us manners in which we can demonstrate your love to those around us. Amen. from the Gospel according to Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterward he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you were the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you were the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to the devil, Again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory and said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on Jesus. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, Across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, life has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to re proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The Gospel of our Lord. 
Thanks be to God. as a confessional to you this morning. I struggled with this sermon a lot. I was determined to stick with the narrative lectionary so there'd be no gap in what Jillian's been doing with us since she arrived as our senior pastor last year. But to be honest, the passages weren't really speaking to me. They weren't hitting home with me. I kept sitting down at my computer to work on this sermon and always became easily distracted by something else. A task with work, something I needed to purchase right then on Amazon. <laughs> A Facebook post or Instagram video that just couldn't wait to be watched and liked. Renee sent me the order of worship to review on Thursday morning. It always throws me off to see my name in print as Reverend Mark Wyndham. The very sound of it makes me feel like a fake and inadequate for the task. So I obsessed over that for several hours instead of working on the sermon. I almost emailed her to ask her to drop the Reverend from in front of my name. Granted, I was ordained as a minister by the Southern Baptist Church I grew up in back in 2002 while I was attending seminary. Sure, I briefly pastored a small church on the north shore of Lake Pontchartrain while I was in seminary. I've baptized and I've offered communion. I've had the incredible pleasure of officiating weddings for family, friends, and acquaintances. However, I didn't finish seminary. But that's a story I've shared from the pulpit before, and I don't want that to be, to be the focus of what we're talking about today. I work in the healthcare administration field. When I see the word reverend in front of my name, I think of the things about me that are not what most people would consider preacherly. Most of you have never witnessed this, but I can have a quick temper. I can be hard-headed. Demanding. I cuss a lot. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of a t-shirt I saw one time. It said, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. <laughs> so, needless to say, I've been in the wilderness. That's what I decided to title today's sermon, The World is a Wilderness. It's not listed in your order of worship because that title didn't come to fruition until about 9.30 yesterday morning. <laughs> While wandering in the wilderness, I kept pondering the subject matter of the scripture passages. So first, let's talk a little bit about the passage from Psalm 91. Because you've made the Lord your refuge, the most high your, your dwelling place, no evil shall fall before you, no scourge come to your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Okay, here's where I'm going to place a disclaimer, a footnote, if you will, on the sermon. I'm by no means a theologian. Even when I was in seminary, I wasn't working on my Master's of Divinity. I was working on a Master's in Psychology and Counseling. I'm very much a pragmatist. I believe in dreaming big, but I also believe in being realistic. This goes for me with real-world applications and for spiritual insights. While I say I'm by no means a theologian, that doesn't mean I don't have theological views. And my views have changed significantly in the nearly 12 years I've been attending Northminster. I came from a background that hammered the Bible into my psyche as the errant, 
inerrant, infallible Word of God. I also came from a background that preaches if you're not getting the answers to your prayers, then you're either not praying hard enough or your faith in God isn't strong enough. I believe I'm confident enough to say that in this forum, among this group of people, that's not the case. We all have to face struggles. We all have to contend with the nasty parts of life illness, financial struggles, emotional hardships, oppression and or exclusion because of who we are, what we stand for, or who we love. Do we love God? Do we seek refuge in God? Of course we do. But do we see angels flurrying around us to form a force field of protection around us? No, we don't see that. I don't see that. But what I do see is a family of faith who can offer support in times of hardship, trouble, and despair. I believe God puts those people in our lives. I also believe we have a responsibility as members of a family of faith to care for each other, to show concern for each other, and to lift each other up, particularly in times of adversity. I believe we're all supposed to be the hands and feet of the God that we love and worship. I've become increasingly disenchanted over the name it and claim it theology we see in other areas of Christian faith. I've become increasingly concerned over the harmful psychological and emotional impact it has on people who adopt that mindset and they only feel inadequate because they're not getting the answers to the prayers they're making and they're, made, and they're made to feel that it's their fault because they're not praying hard enough or their faith isn't rooted deeply enough. Now let's take a look at the story of the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus had been in the wilderness fasting 40 days and nights. To paraphrase the end of verse 2, at the end of 40 days, Jesus was tired and Jesus was hungry. The story goes on to say that Satan tempted Jesus in three ways. These are being given to you in the Mark Wyndham summarized slash common language version. <laughs> First, the devil said, hey, if you're the son of God, why don't you just turn this pile of rocks into some rolls? Then he took him to the top of the temple and said, hey, why don't you jump off the top of this temple? It's already written as if they had the Bible like we have it today. It's already written in Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, that God's angels will hold you up so you won't even so much as scratch your foot. Then, third, he took him to a high mountain and said, hey, if you'll just worship me, I'll give you everything you see here. So Satan tempted Jesus with sustenance, with protection, and with power. Jesus didn't give in to any of his temptations, but clung to his faith in God. Then, in verse 11, almost like an afterthought, it says that the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Again, like I mentioned earlier, and you may see things differently from me, which is fine. Every one of our faiths are our individual faiths. We don't have to all see things the same way to be the hands and feet of our God for one another. I no longer have the type of faith that views our God as a vending machine or an ATM or a provider of all the things I want. I no longer have the type of faith that believes that just by earnestly praying, an outcome I desire is necessarily going to be achieved. The type of faith I do have is that our God places people in our lives for support. He gives us a family of faith to be the hands and feet, those angels who can help us make it through the difficult circumstances, who can celebrate with us in times of joy, and who can work together to build each other up and create a network of support. A group of people who can do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. 
Before we wrap things up today, I want to speak in high support of something that's important to me. And I thought, well, I'm here today, this Sunday, I can, I can take the time to do it. I realize that some people feel, and they'd be correct, that Northminster has always provided a welcoming and affirming space for all people to worship. We never formalized that commitment until our adoption of a welcoming and affirming, and affirming statement back in um, 2022. Until then, the feeling among some members that was that we didn't need to do anything special to formalize that commitment. Last Sunday, we had a brief meeting following morning worship regarding um, the Coordinating Council's recommendation for our church to join AWAB, the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists. I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to share my perspective with you for consideration. Northminster isn't a gay church. However, on any given Sunday, 25% or more of our congregation are members of the LGBTQ community. If my husband David and I weren't members of Northminster, I honestly don't know if we'd be part of any other family of faith in this region. No, Northminster isn't a gay church. But Northminster has given me a space where I don't have to hide who I am, what I am, or who I love in order to be an active member of the family of faith. Most of you know that I'm the CEO of a community health center whose origins stemmed from the global HIV epidemic. We've evolved into an organization that provides comprehensive care for the community at large, seeing patients at all stages of the lifespan in an affirming and inclusive environment. Are we a gay organization? No. However, like Northminster, around 25% of our patients and about 25% of our staff members are members of the LGBTQ community. Just like it was important for Northminster to develop and adopt a welcoming and affirming statement, our board and staff at the health center felt it was important to include affirming and inclusive language in our mission statement. Why is this important? Because it lets otherwise marginalized groups of people know that they are respected, that they're seen, that they're valued, and that they are loved. It lets people know they do have a place. In my opinion, and this is my opinion, I don't speak on behalf of the coordinating council or any other member of this church, affiliating ourselves with the Association of Welcoming and Affirming Baptists is a means of standing alongside a group of people who often feel they aren't worthy of love and letting them know that we're here to welcome them, to love them, and to take them in as family. The words welcoming and affirming on a website and on social media mean something to a group of people who feel left out and are looking for a place to fit in. Affiliation with an organization like AWAB means something to people who are searching for a place to worship when they feel they don't have anywhere to go. It's not about changing our church's identity. It's about outreach and affirmation. We're fortunate in our congregation that, live, that we live in somewhat of a protective bubble among ourselves. We as a congregation know how to treat people with dignity and respect. We've been doing it since we've been in existence. But we have to remember the reality is that a lot of people external to Northminster don't know that. That's why I feel it's important to align ourselves with organizations like AWAB. So in closing, I'm asking Northminster as a congregation to be God's hands and God's feet. There are people hurting there are people in despair. There are people who are lonely. 
They may be praying for something and not knowing that there's something, someone out there to lift them up. They're wandering in the wilderness. Let's be the hands and feet of God to help them wander into the loving presence of God. Amen.
and it's a time when we reflect on the gifts that have been given to us. Just as Jesus took bread and he broke it when he was at the meal that night with his disciples, we're here to share with one another today. And just as Jesus poured wine and shared it, Why don't you join me in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray?